All right, live from Lower BCC, this is Red Sea Radio. We're back with another episode, Kyle and Jack. Uh, Jack, how are you feeling this week? Excited, very excited. So we got a uh, special interview for you guys today here on WVOF 88.5 FM. We're going to waste no time getting into it. We got Troy Bradford with us today, Fairfield basketball legend, and also the inaugural head coach of the Connecticut Cobras. Troy, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, so uh, we'll start the interview off today with your kind of journey through Fairfield. So kind of for our first question, and, and you actually talked to us about this when we when we met you this summer, but um, just kind of take us through your decision on going to Fairfield University uh, to continue your basketball career at the time. Um, well, Fairfield wasn't my first choice. Um, my dad graduated from Fairfield in 1970, so... Um, <clears throat> most of my recruitment was high major schools. So, um, I had a, a lot of the biggie schools, UConn, um, <clears throat> Seton Hall, um, well, Rutgers wasn't in the Big East at the time, but Rutgers, Georgetown, John Thompson came down to watch me practice and play a game. Um, <clears throat> so most of my recruitment, let's just say was mostly high major schools. I had, um, a few mid majors like uh, VCU, which was it was a mid major, but it was a, it was like it is now. It was kind of like the, that that high mid major tier. Um, BU, University of Hartford, um, Northeastern, and Fairfield were my mid major schools. So, <laughs> um, I was supposed to sign with Boston College before my junior well during my junior season of high school um my father told me to wait um because i'll have more opportunities to sign with other schools i really like bc i like the coaches you know they they treated me well they they came to all my games um called me every day uh and then i didn't sign with them flashed to my forward to my senior year um now john thompson from georgetown's coming in my gym on a saturday morning to watch me practice um they come to our our next uh game which was in the state tournament <clears throat> versus norwalk high school um so i i i love georgetown i was hoping that he offered me a scholarship but that didn't come to fruition um, and then, so <laughs> San Diego State coach came in, came to my game, and he actually came to watch the center on my team, uh, Wilbur Frazier. And he saw me, <clears throat> and he told the head, my head coach that he wanted me bad. So we worked it out with my family. That was one of my five visits. Um, for schools to go, you know, go visit and see and see if you want to go, you know, attend the school or whatever. So after I went to San Diego State, I didn't go to any more schools because after I went to San Diego State, I didn't need to see anything else. I wanted to go to San Diego State. <clears throat> so <laughs> he comes in, you know, he he comes in and does the official offer in my house. Um, he, he's like, Troy, you're going to start for four years. Um you know, he's like, and he said, if you even last for four years, he's like, I think you're good enough to maybe play three years and, and be gone and go to the NBA or whatever. So he's like, you're going to start at the point. Um, everything that, you know, a kid wants to hear. Um, <clears throat> he didn't say anything about academics. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if he would have just said a little something about <laughs> academics, um so, you know, like, and go back to my visit, you know, my visit was awesome. Was awesome. So we're stayed in the Radisson Hotel. I want to say that was the year or one of the first Radisson hotels ever in 1985. So <clears throat> we stayed in the penthouse, me and my, uh, my uh, teammate, because um, he went on the, he went on the uh, school visit with me. Um, because, as I said, the coach wanted him as well. <clears throat> and let's just say that visit was 
pretty pretty good i can imagine <laughs> i won't get into what was going on but let's just say um 76 degree weather um you know i got a little something in my bag on the way home let's just say it was a pretty good visit to say the least um the women that were around i mean <clears throat> just it was just like a country club like it was like a a saturday morning at the beach <laughs> it was ridiculous so you know i can't you know like i said i i my parents i told them i'm going there there's nothing you can do to change my mind i'm not going anywhere else this is where i'm going they were like oh he didn't say he's well they called him a jitterbug which is like somebody that's like a smooth talker you know a, a hustler like somebody that's you know he he's a car salesman like basically. a scam like most of like most college coaches anyway so he he's like he didn't say anything about academics and what about your future and, you know you got to graduate from college and i'm like i'm gonna graduate i'm gonna stay eligible to play basketball like i'm not gonna fail out of school like I went to prep school for a reason, you know. So, needless to say, they had, they had my girlfriend try to talk me out of it at the time. My girlfriend at the time tried to talk me out of it, and and I when I say crocodile tears, I cried like a baby. Like I want to go there. Like when I I I'm like a calm, you know, laid back dude. Like I had a tantrum. Like I did not want to not go to San Diego State. Like there was no other school that I. I'm like, this is it. This is it. <laughs> so, you know. So, uh, so after the season, well, Fairfield, you know, like I said, Fairfield was recruiting me. Coach DeSantis, who's one of my best friends now mm -hmm. to this day, to I respect a great deal, was the coach that was coming to watch me play and recruit me. And, uh, you know, so we had an all-star game at the, at the, uh, Bridgeport, I forget what you call it. They still have that all-star game, um, high school all-star game in Bridgeport every year. Um, <clears throat> we lost to the New York. And when I tell you, like, I, you know, I'm a sore loser. I didn't like to talk to anybody after I lost or whatever. And Coach DeSantis told my parents he was scared to talk to me because we lost. <laughs> and he don't know, he doesn't know it, but that was – I respected him more for even saying that to know as a former player, as a former basketball player, like he knew my emotions at the time. Like he knows how I was, how I was feeling. Um, so he, he was, he basically was careful. But when I, you know, when I heard that, I was like, nah, he's, he's good. You know, mm -hmm. he can come talk to me or whatever. So <clears throat> needless to say, I ended up at Fairfield and that's how I got there. <laughs> no, I, I thought that was a, a great story yeah, yeah. when you first told it to us. So I, I knew we had to to bring that back up to start the interview. So, but coach, if, if Coach DeSantis did not come, if he wasn't the guy recruiting me to come to Fairfield, Mitch Montagirl, who I respected a lot, who came in my house, he's one of the visits guys that came in our house, and I went on a visit, you know. I respected Coach Bonagirl for what, you know, Villanova did to Georgetown and, <clears throat> um, you know, all the stuff that he accomplished. And, I, you know, I thought he'd be great for Fairfield. But if Coach DeSantis wasn't the guy who was recruiting me, I wouldn't. It doesn't matter what my parents said. I wouldn't sad. I wouldn't have played my freshman year <laughs> if I had to go to it, Seriously, because it was Coach DeSantis basically was the reason because I used to grow up and I watched him play <clears throat> when he was at Fairfield as you know as a young kid I want to say I was in middle school maybe or maybe elementary school maybe like fifth grade sixth grade my father used to take me to Fairfield games so I watched him play in college so he was the reason because it wasn't my dad believe me he 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 didn't want me to go to San Diego State but if coach DeSantis wasn't around I wouldn't have went to Fairfield what do you think your third, what do you think, if it wasn't San Diego and wasn't Fairfield, what do you think you would have done? It would have been that, it would have been like uh, uh, Rutgers, um, 
something something that like I know BC would have still wanted. Mm-hmm. Like it would have just made me and Dana Barrels in the backcourt. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, because they they still kept in contact with me up until I made my decision, my senior year. That's interesting. The whole recruiting process and what like kind of how much one coach can change everything. Like you, you take like a lot of the players take into account. Oh, like the campus more so than the coach or the players or whatever. Yeah, the campus. So, so if you look at the campus now, you guys right now are are like in Times Square compared to the campus <laughs> that I was on. <laughs> the campus that I was on was not that flattering. <laughs> so when uh, going to your playing days at Fairfields. You were one of five eventual thousand-point scorers playing at once with the Stags in eight, 1986. So was it like hard to share the ball with so many great scorers at once, or was it easy to kind of see who who was getting there? Well, no, we played we played together. Like you know, so you know, I was saying that Fairfield wasn't my first choice, but I loved being there. So you know, just because of my teammates, you know, Tim O'Toole. Uh, Jeff Gromos, um, AJ Winder, um, Pat Urena, Ed Golden, they were all good to me, you know. So, you know, I was a young buck. Um, as a freshman, I didn't really play that much. I played 16 minutes a game, so I had to earn my dues. But as a sophomore, I played 30, I want to say 32 minutes a game because I came in at the 16-minute mark of every half. <laughs> so, um I mean, it was easy to play. Like, we didn't play fast break. We, like, I don't want to say it was easy. We didn't play an up-tempo style. So back then, you know, you, we played 61, 62-point games. I want to say we scored like 63 points a game, 62 points a game. So it was more about tempo and con- controlling the game. And, you know, once we got the lead on you, we all were good foul shooters, so we wouldn't lose the lead. Um, but everybody played together. Everybody's cool. Everybody hung out, you know, off the court. So it was kind of like a family atmosphere. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, we always notice, uh, uh, like looking at old videos and watching, you know, whether it be your time or, you know, similar time periods is the crowd and, and how, how crazy the crowd was at alumni hall when you played. And it hasn't really been like that in our time here. So, what what was it like playing back then with with you know packed alumni alumni uh, hall and and just like what? so when you guys said Red Sea Radio I immediately flashed back <laughs> to the back stand in old alumni hall being filled to the rafters and people standing on both sides yeah and people with red faces and you know their their chests out painted red and like it, it was just crazy. When I say loud, like it, I don't even think I'm doing it justice. How loud it was in that gym, like ridiculously loud. Yeah, and that's like even my junior year, a junior year when we, when we didn't play well. I played. That was probably my best year at the school, um, you know, scoring wise and as far as like um, um, shooting percentage and all of that. But I mean, even my junior year, it was like it, it was wild. It, it was wild. It, it like, didn't matter. You know, I, I was so mad when, you know, I'm out of the school and I'm like, they're playing in Bridgeport Arena. I'm like, why? Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's our same kind of. I'm like, that's our same I'm kind like, of where's the home court advantage? Like, there's nothing beats freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. You know, as a freshman, you ain't supposed to be drinking, but obviously yeah. they do. <laughs> but it's nothing beats kids that are you know, buzzed or intoxicated coming across, walking across <laughs> campus and acting a fool in a basketball game. Like, it, like that's the college experience. That's what everybody, every athlete goes for that plays at a school. Mm-hmm. You want to play in the, in the, in the most intoxicating environment, like yeah. the, 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 the loudest, the rowdiest, the craziest fans, because that's just what it was. Why do you think that that's not, really the case anymore here um i don't know i mean kids are different now i mean it's not different they're still drinking 
So, I mean, you got to just draw them into the, into the gym. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's, in. you know, they haven't had the success in a while that we had back in the day. I mean, and there's so many distractions now. I mean, you guys got social media, you yeah. got cell phones, you know, people on TikTok and Instagram <laughs> and Twitter and yeah. You didn't have that. All you had was your can of beer and your walk across the the, the grass. Yeah. <laughs> you you didn't have any distractions. So, you know, on a on a a Tuesday or Friday or Saturday evening, that was the thing to do. Yeah, we wish it was we wish it was, it was more like a little that. more like that. Yeah. Hopefully some success brings that back in the new alumni hall, obviously. All right. Um, so moving on, you know, you talk about playing in some crazy atmospheres. Obviously, you guys played in two NCAA tournament games as well during your time, even playing against uh, eventual champion Indiana. So wh- what were those games like? So Indiana. So let me just give you the, the backdrop on the Indiana. Game. So we we have our shoot around the day before. Indiana. You know they had their their um, their shoot around first. We walk in the gym. There's sixteen thousand people at their shoot around <laughs> in the Hoosier Dome because it was at the Hoosier. I was dome. gonna say yeah. I wanted to clarify. It's it, they were home for that game technically, right? Yeah, home technically oh, yeah. <laughs> they well, were home. Yeah, but it's a, it's a tournament. They're not, there's no home and away team in the NCAA tournament. No, there's no were. home and they were home. Yeah, they were yeah. home. You basically put like. <laughs> 16,000 is what their their home gym set is seated. There were 16,000 people at their shoot-around. <laughs> so we're like, you know, holy shit. Like, you know, I don't mean to swear on radio, but <laughs> Sorry. to beep it out. But uh, we were like, what the? You know, so, you know, that was, it was exciting. It was exciting. That's the best way I could say it. And that's, you know, as a young kid growing up and you're watching TV and you're watching these guys play on TV, you wanted to be in that. You you know, there was, you know, I would say there's a few of us that wanted to be in that. I don't know about everybody. I can't speak for everybody. But um, so you go to the game the next day, there's 40,000 people at the game. That's crazy. So we're basically playing in a football stadium. Like it was, it's just absolutely mad. Like it was crazy. So we then the day, so <laughs> two days before that, we practiced at Butler, um, which back then nobody cared about Butler, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Now Butler, you know, they're like they're a mid-major basketball school, but they're like a high major. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> so we we put in new plays. Well, how come? Indiana knew all our plays and and game night through the fans. No, I don't know who videotaped our practice. It's like Bill Belichick. Every single play that we ran. (laughs) That is that is crazy. (laughs) So that tells you, like you know, so like, and you know, I and I and I went kind of went too fast. I spoke too soon, but you know, warming up for that game. We're warming up. Bobby Knight hasn't got out, gotten, you know, come onto the floor yet. And he comes onto the floor just before tip-off. And I've never, like, when I say you couldn't talk to your teammate right next to you, because that's how loud the roar was. And, like, it, the, the whole place went crazy. Very. Yeah. The whole place went crazy. That's too crazy. Uh, so one more question about your playing career. Um, so I was doing some research, and I saw you compete in the first ever uh, college slam dunk contest, the Final Four, in I think '88. Mm-hmm. I think '89. Yeah. But uh, yep. so, were you surprised by that selection at all? Like, and how was actually? Doing um, that? I don't want to say I was surprised. I didn't know if you were like confident you're dunking. I, nah, at that I wasn't point. surprised. I was. I well. It was the first year, and I thought, yeah, I was probably one of the best dunkers around and probably the best dunker at my size in the country, for sure, because um, <clears throat> I had one dunk, dunk contest in um, high school, all-star games and stuff um, in high school. So, 
but that was in Seattle, Washington. So I met, you know, that's when I met Chris Corciani. I met Chucky Brown and, you know, I met a lot of, you know, a lot of cool dudes that weekend. Um, me and Chucky Brown stayed in touch with each other for a while after that, but we kind of, well, I haven't talked to him in freaking, I want to say 20 years. But um, I probably didn't take it as seriously as I should have because I, <laughs> let's just say they, they, uh, I, I was doing stuff with them that I probably shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> yeah, take advantage of the weekends. <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, it's like I'm a, I'm in see I'm in a whole another state. I'm in Seattle, Washington. You know, I'm with these guys, and they and they introduced me to you know I didn't drink or smoke, but they introduced me to some stuff that, um, some places. Let's put it that way that I never been to before. It's like a, a vacation. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, it, it was like a straight party. Like, I'm like, these dudes are, I'm like, wow, that's how NC State was going. <laughs> All right. So we just want to now kind of transition into your professional career. So, one of the things we're curious about, you know, you playing overseas, how they kind of have a different play style. Did that impact the way you played at all? Um, no, overseas was kind of college. It was kind of college, college oriented, and and the good thing about overseas is I was allowed to play the point. See, at Fairfield, I played the two. <clears throat> I played the point my whole life until I got to Fairfield. So you know, back then, a point guard wasn't supposed to be be able to do the stuff that uh, you know a Steph Curry or uh, Damian Lillard or. Um, anybody that, you know, score, scores the ball mm-hmm. like that. So, um, you know, back then you were supposed to, you know, um, dictate the pace of the game and uh, call the play out, pass it to the to your guy, and then screen away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The point guard wasn't supposed to be, you know, and, and Coach Bonagirl coming from Villanova um, where uh, Gary McClain was the point guard on that team and if you saw him play I mean that's what he did I think I want to say he averaged like 11 or 12 points a game um, but you know he passed he set up the offense and he, and he screened away like he did. I mean Villanova back then when they won the national championship I want to say they might have scored 60 something 70 points that night but they were traditionally like a 60 something point a game team so playing over in Europe you know, I was allowed to have the ball in my hands, which I thought was, which I thought, you know, was easier for me to, you know, be able to do. And, um, you know, I can control the pace to the game, you know, and I, you know, I like, you know, in high school and AAU, I, you know, I played up and down. I didn't play down, play, you know, the slow down game until I got to Fairfield. So over in Europe, you know, I could, could, kind of dictate the pace of the game and which suited my style of play better so also we saw that you um had a couple of chances to play at the nba summer league and you performed yeah. very well from what i saw did uh your confidence your game change after performing so well on that kind of stage like with guys like Sagan? did you i'm oh, sorry did, did the confidence in your game change at all after like performing so well on that kind of that stage um, I, I was a pretty confident guy already and I knew what I could do. And, you know, when you play AAU against all of those guys anyway, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, let's put it, I played against my first game there. I want, it was Reggie Miller and a few other guys. So back then in the NBA summer league, it was the free agent division. And then you had, um, all the teams played against each other. So you had like the Clippers and, uh, Sonics and all these teams would play against each other. Then you had the free agent division. I played the free agent division. Yeah. So my first year there, I played for Dwayne Casey. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I think he was just kind of breaking in to the to the NBA at the time. And, you know, he didn't know me from a can of pain. And I had to um, – <laughs> I had to um, battle another guard that was my height, my you know my height, and 
um, from New York, and I'll leave his name out, but, you know, um, he ended up getting called up to play on one of those all-star teams that played like it, it was the, it was crazy like so they had they had all-star teams that played against other all-star teams in the NBA summer league and like there were magic would play and then Pooh Richardson they wouldn't play for their teams they were playing all-star teams <clears throat> against other all-star teams and then you had the teams would play against the other teams like you know like the Clippers and like I said against yeah. the Sonics and mm-hmm. um or um you know most of the teams that were from um, the West Coast. So, you know, you would have um, like uh, Portland play, whoever they were playing, and, and then you had the free agent division. So once he left, now I felt like I could do my thing. So I played well, like maybe the last four games <clears throat> of this season. But, you know, to me, like I've always been like an entrepreneur and, and, a, and, a, and a, a guy who wants to cut out the middleman. So the following year, I put my own team in there. And to pay the money, and I want to say it was about twenty fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred to put a team in back then. Um, they gave you eight games, so I put my own team in the following year. So now it's my team, and now I can do my thing. So <laughs> that year, the second year I played in, and I want to say I averaged twenty two and six. So I had a lot of, you know, Italy, Spain, and a bunch of other places that that liked me. And mm-hmm. that this, the guy who ran it was Larry Krager. I don't know if he's still alive or what, but um, he, you know, he told me that these, these um, scouts from Italy and Spain really like you. And some other guys told me as well. So, you know, I talked to him, chopped it up, and... Um, you know, so, you know, I like, like I said, I like to cut out the middleman. I, you know, sometimes you, when, when there's a middleman, you don't get to where you need to get to. <laughs> <laughs> what were your, like your favorite parts of playing professionally? Or was there any like crazy stories or just any, any highlights that stick out to you? A beating Iona. <laughs> <laughs> That's I love like that. Iona. I loved Iona because Iona made me feel, and it wasn't nothing against those guys. It was more of, you know, they were all black team. And I felt like that's how I was for high school. For me, my, you know, my senior year at Wilbur Cross, we played all black teams. So I felt like, you know, I was, I felt like I was at home. Like, you know, now I can play. You know, and I, you know, with 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 that, sometimes comes a lot of you know trash talk, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know those guys thought they were the, you know, the ish, and <laughs> <laughs> and I used to, I used to love to abuse them. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I remember you telling us about the trash talk yeah. now over the summer. So, um, yeah, yeah, always yeah, great yeah, to be so, Iona. Yeah, I guess <laughs> one of my former teammates that was a walk on, he. uh Matter of fact, his wife was a cheerleader um, at Fairfield, and he was telling me how he was doing this this project, and he was up at um, up at the Rucker, and he met a guy who said he went to Iona. He said, "Oh wow, I played at Fairfield," and he's like, "Yo, I hate Troy Brown." <laughs> and all you know, all that name. was great to me. That was great to me. That means I made my mark. <laughs> yeah, that's, a res- that's respect right there. Yeah, that's honest, yeah, it's probably the most res- like a lot of respect right there. That's you know, and this is you like up. this is yeah. like shit, we, so this is like thirty five years later. Like yeah. this guy is still holding on to grudges. <laughs> he must have really said some stuff. But he, yeah. he didn't forget it all the time. He must have had some kind <laughs> oh, of performance. Nah. No, I used to let them know for sure. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's transition now talking about your coaching career. So, moving from being a player to being a coach, what are some of the biggest differences or like challenges that go in with that? Um. Managing egos, that's the biggest challenge, managing egos. Because everybody, you know, thinks they're the man and, you know, you might be the man where you are, but that doesn't mean you're going to be the man on a certain team, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Or, or on this team, there's a lot of people who are were the men on their team, you know? So 
<clears throat> just managing in- egos is the biggest challenge, but I think that's one of my gifts that I, you know, I'm able to man- manage egos and, you know, they know that I'm not, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to tell them straight and, you know, I don't take any ish from anybody. So, yeah. um, you either do it my way or you can walk out of any door in this gym that you would like to walk out of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as you get to like the higher levels, you know, your AAUs or your higher levels, everyone was the guy yeah. in their town or their high school, right. but yeah, now like, everyone's so my, good. So, it's... so my AAU program, for instance, so I had Cedric Kazmir and Isaac Van. Um, Cedric played at Iona and then the Florida Gulf Coast. And then I um, Isaac played at VCU. So I had him, and then I had a Malik Petway, who he ended up playing at Robert Morris. I had Tyler Rowe, he was at Central Connecticut. I had EJ Crawford, who played at Iona, that you guys probably yeah. remember. Yeah, you remember. Um, um, uh, I had so all of the um, CJ C fourth. He went was that went to Iona. He ended up going to. He's at Southern now. He transferred down to D two school. Um, <clears throat> I had all of these kids at the same time. So it wasn't hard for me. They like they knew and they loved playing with each other. So, you know, good players want to play with other good players. So if you're a good player and you don't want to play with another good player, that means you're an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that'll that that'll shine through early. It, you can't hide that. You know, that'll shine through early and then, you know, the coach will make a decision on whether he wants to keep you or not. So if you that'll that shows, you know, a lot of selfishness. So most good players want to play with other good players. Case in point, LeBron James wants to play with everybody that's great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you uh actually officially like get in the coaching AAU basketball? Was it like did you figure out yourself or were you suggested by somebody else? Wow. So I I got so I started out so my old high school teammate um who I won't say his name but he had a son um and I will say his name um Robert McKeever who everybody calls him Fluff um was a was a hell of a basketball player coming out of New Haven Connecticut so he was top 50 in the country and he was born our senior year of high school so he was home, and he was just like, Unk. he's like, yo, I need a, I need an AAU team. I'm not playing Atlanta. You know, I don't want to be in Atlanta. I want to play for a team around here. And I said, all right, let me do my homework. And I found the biggest, you know, one of the biggest AAU programs in the state at the time was the Connecticut Flame. That was um, run by uh, this guy named Irvin Braun. Um if you if you know if you know Scooter Braun is his son who's like the oh, big wow, wow. music music industry guy. Mm-hmm. So I, I I knew Scooter when he was like nineteen and twenty. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice flex. <laughs> when he he's there from Greenwich. So um so I started you know I brought fluff to them and you know obviously you'd be stupid not to want him because. If you know what the Greenwich Flame, I mean, well, the Connecticut Flame was back then, it's, you know, they didn't have too many D1 players and they definitely didn't have a top 50 player like that. So, you know, he fit in well the first year, he did well, and um, we ended up playing against Dwight Howard. And I think I want to say our last tournament in Vegas, we played against Dwight Howard and Josh Smith and a bunch of NBA guys on the same AAU team. Um, and I want to say Fluff had 25 or something, and, you know, he didn't even play well that game. Mm. But so that kind of started me, you know, when my juice was flowing. And, you know, because I remembered all the stuff from practices with Coach Bonagirl and Coach DeSantis and Coach Baris and um, um, Jim Kish. And, like, I remembered everybody. So I remember all the stuff they taught me. I remember all our plays. <laughs> everything so um following following year i did the same thing with the with the um connecticut flame and then i started coaching after that i didn't do my own a i didn't run my own aau program yet i ended up coaching the darien girls in the fairfield county basketball league mm. so 
listen, if you can coach girls, right? And girls will run through walls for you. They listen better than than men. So <laughs> and boys. So so um I did that and then I started coaching for overtime, another AAU program that was run out of Darien because it just was a logical fit because it just it was in the same area and the same guys who ran the FCBL um, for Darien introduced me to overtime. So I ended up having an overtime team, a uh, fifth grade team. And Cedric Casimir was a point guard <laughs> at 10 years old, at 10 years old. So we ended up that year, I want to say we were probably like uh, 15 and two or something. We won like four AU tournaments and not big tournaments, like little mom and pop AU tournaments, but they were mm-hmm. good, you know. So they kind of got me. So the following year, overtime said, Oh, we can't give you the same team again. Um, we're going to have to give you a different team. We like to switch it up. And I'm like, What? All my parents want me to be a coach again. <laughs> so they were like, No, we got to give your team to somebody else. So I wasn't having it. So I ended up starting my own AU program back in 2007. And I brought that team. I took the whole team from overtime. (laughs) (laughs) So, kind of, I guess it was a good thing. Um, So I started with Cedric, and then I ended up getting um, another, you know, I had a bunch of good players on that team. Um, Actually, I had this kid, Danny Geis, um, who I got the year after in 2008. who was he's actually a pro golfer right now he um he was my two guard (laughs) and then you know good players like i said good players want to play with other good players so then i got this kid chris walters who was a a division two um first team all-american um who played um came in year three and then because i had chris and cedric then i got this other kid um so uh, it, it kind of snowballed. So by the time we got to 2010, I probably had – in 2010, I was the second-best AAU program in the state. So CBC was the best. I can't even knock them. They were the best at the time. By the time 2012 came, now I had kids from Jamaica, the Czech Republic. So, you know, off of relationships with prep school coaches, I started getting kids – from their schools, their prep schools, who, you know, were, you know, uh, playing in either like New Hampshire or Massachusetts or Vermont or something, and they were playing with, playing for me. <clears throat> so that took our program to the next level, and I still still had um, Cedric on the team. So now that then I got Isaac in 2013 van in 2013 then when i got isaac then malik petway that went to robert morris wanted to play with isaac (laughs) and then you know other players wanted to play with malik so then i had the best team in 2013 from 2013 to 2016 so four years if you count 13 as a year 13 14 15 16 um i was the best au program in the state easily (laughs) <laughs> we were beating ranked teams and sneaker company teams. We were blowing them out. So my um, one of my mentors in life was this guy, Leo Papil, that runs the BABC program out of Boston. is one of the probably top five AAU programs of all time. So he's he's had... 25 30 48 um kids playing the nba so he was very integral in my high school career getting starting my recruitment because we started going to boston first to play aau tournaments and my AAU coach got tight with his a with with him i mean and so i kind of kept that relationship going um and my aau team would go up there and play babc and we never beat them until 2015 and they came we played them twice we played them in boston and they beat us by four or something and then they came down to us 
and played us in the New Haven Boys and Girls Club, and we were up twenty-two to one at one point. <laughs> so <laughs> they were. Re- where they were ranked 13th in the country and they had a kid by the name you probably remember know who I'm talking about because he plays with the Nets now, Bruce Brown. Oh, a big Bruce yeah. Brown fan. I love him. Yeah, he, they, he played on that team. So we ended up winning by 20. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and, you know, another kid, uh, Tremont Waters, we played oh, yeah. against him. He played for um, a team... Yeah, he so he played. He didn't play for BABC though. He played for the New England players out of Boston. Um, but you know we beat some big time teams. Like we beat a lot of big time teams, and I mean bad. <laughs> you know, I never had top fifty guys, but I had guys that were Division One. So I would have four or five Division One players on every team that I had. So you know that's all you need like you know like like if you watch the golden state laker game last night they're not star-studded golden state the only star stud they they have over there is clay thompson who's not playing right now and steph curry Mm -hmm. but they play together and they're all good so i had a bunch of good borderline great guys playing against guys that are supposed to be top 50 And, and you know it's just playing together and liking who you play with. If you like your teammates, that goes a long way with how successful you'll be as a as a team. Yeah, chemistry I feel you like know? is such a chemistry and you know, chemistry is a big if you don't like your teammate, you're not going to be that successful if you don't if teammates don't like each other. I mean, you mentioned a ton yeah. of a ton of uh like peop- common names and uh what you ju- your last answer so, are there any players that you pat you coached in the past uh, five years that uh, we could possibly keep an eye out on this season, college basketball? Um, most of my kids have, have are gone; they're done. But um, CJ Seaforth, that plays at Southern Connecticut right now. Um, shoot, I don't even think do I even have another D one? Oh no. Um, John Brown, he's going to be playing for Bethune Cookman. So I had he's from Miami. So I'm going to tell you this, <laughs> the reason, the way I got him is my former agent is his father. <clears throat> so he's from Miami and he probably shouldn't have been playing for me at the time because it's not an adjoining state, obviously, <laughs> but, but he has family in Hamden, Connecticut and he was staying, he, you know, he would stay with his family during the AAU season and, and stay with me as well. And he was, you know, he, like I said, he, he was a family, like I've known his father since I was a little boy. So, <clears throat> bend the rules um, a little bit. But he's at Bethune Cook. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like, every, like everybody else. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, I mean, all those, all those other teams will, are probably doing much worse than what you were doing. So. Way worse. Yeah. I'm not, no money, no money's getting exchanged. Like, we're not paying the kids to come play for us. Like, some of those teams were doing. Yeah. Giving, like, bags of 15 grand or 20 grand to the family, like, to come play for us. Nah. Mm-hmm. We, you know, so. Um, it was just a relationship. So, he's at Bethune Cookman. When I had him, he was 6'4" point guard he's six eight now uh, so he he'll be he's with reggie through it theus at bethune cookman that's a that's a guy to watch he's probably my last one him and um cj seaforth cj seaforth is uh at southern connecticut right now he's a senior at southern connecticut all right so as we john, kinda... oh you go ahead no john's a junior all right so john brown uh... Yeah, so so as we kind of get towards the the end of the interview here, we want to talk about the Connecticut Cobras for a little bit. Um, so obviously, you were announced as the first head coach. Um, so we have a lot of you know listeners from Connecticut, Fairfield fans, alumni. So kind of just talk, you know, if you're going to talk to them, just about what the Cobras are doing, both on and off the court, their mission. So <clears throat> I know yesterday they they uh, participated in a cancer. Um, um, it was some type of cancer. I don't know if it's a cancer walk or it was some kind of function for cancer. And I know we we I couldn't do it because I had to take care of my little two little boys. But 
Um, we're doing that. We're involved with um, uh, Senator Blumenthal. As you saw, he came to our our um, um, when they named me the coach. So mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we'll be doing stuff in the communities with the boys clubs, all the boys clubs in the state, Stanford and Hartford, New Haven, Norwalk, Bridgeport. We'll be doing, you know, um, Bristol. We'll be doing stuff with all the boys clubs. Um, <clears throat> and as well as having like we're going to we have an enrichment program who our president. Ed Battle could probably speak more to, but we're going to put an enrichment program we're going to try to work with the New Haven Board of Ed and the Hartford Board of Ed as, you know, putting in, in, in you know, like even even Board of, board of Education in, in Fairfield County, um, you know, put in to try to help like the inner city kids, kids less fortunate. And um, so we'll be very, very active in the community. Um, uh, we spoke about yesterday, me, uh, Ed Battle, the president and the owner, um, Anthony, about giving out turkeys and doing like a turkey drive type thing for, for Thanksgiving. So, you know, we got a lot of stuff that we're, we're trying to do, but we do need investors because, you know, we're a first year organization. So if anybody's listening and got, you know, have some money that they can throw away and, <laughs> and as a tight tax write off to because we are a nonprofit organization. Um you know, every little bit helps. Yeah, and then on the team side of things, on the court, what are some of your your goals? You know, going into your first season. Um, you know, I'm a defensive guy as far as the way I coach. I don't know how much I played defense when I was playing, <laughs> but um, I like I said, I did pay attention to Coach Bonner Girl. I got all of his stuff in my head. Um, every coach, anybody who coached me, my AAU coach, coach by a girl, when I played professionally, I got all this stuff in my head. So, um, you know, I'm a defensive guy that will, it will translate to offense. So, and, you know, I'm trying to play up and down and I want to score 125, 130 points a game. Mm. So uh, if you come to a Cobras game, you can expect a lot of excitement, um, hard nose play, um, guys that don't back down from anybody so i know you you guys are going through the process of um tryouts and stuff right now for the team so how has that uh been going for you um it's been going we only had one so far we have another one this saturday if you guys want to come down there we have another one saturday um in stanford at the um chelsea pierce how is the uh from 12 to 4 were you surprised (laughs) were you surprised by the talent pool when you first uh for your first trout so far, like compared to what you um, expected, I don't see. Connecticut has a lot of talent. People don't understand how how much talent is in Connecticut. So I don't want to say I was surprised by the talent pool, but I was surprised on how many guys actually signed up. You know what I mean? That's probably where I was surprised and how many guys signed up, not the talent per se, but the amount of people that signed up. Yeah, you go. So I know, I know you have a, uh, uh, you have a long coaching career ahead of you. It seems like. Do you ever see yourself coaching at um, higher levels in the future, or like possibly going to like college basketball at any point? Well, I did coach at a junior college. Oh. Um, I have gotten offered um, uh, uh, a couple jobs, two or three jobs. I turned them down because of my current job status as a probation officer in Connecticut. So, um, yeah, I can see me going into college coaching. I turned down um, a few D1 jobs. So what – I know you talked about it at the press conference, but what made the Cobra's job the right job for you then at this time? It's not during the week. Um, (laughs) Most of the games are on the weekend. Logistically – the practices are next door to where I live without disclosing where I live, but <laughs> it's, you know, it, it just made sense spiritually and um, uh, economically. I'm close to my, logistically, I'm close to my family, um, which is the main thing because I have two little boys that are eight and 11. Um, 
And I in the end, all those guys that I coached that are now 25 <laughs> are grown men and, you know, in the best shape of their lives. You know, if I can help them or help other young men, that's mainly what I want to do. I want to help other people who, <clears throat> who you know, might have got passed over for a job. Like, you know, because it was hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. So have, you, I, have you talked to any of those guys? People. About um yeah a few, a few you know, I won't you know disclose who I've talked to, but mm. let's just say we will be well represented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be like grown up AAU. <laughs> yeah, like a reunion. Yeah, like a uh... um. So is but there any? There's gonna be. Listen, we got those guys know as well. Like you have to come to our combine and you have to. You know, not, they know me. If you go there and you, you know, don't play well, we got to have a conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no free passes. You know, nothing's written in stone, so it's open. It's open for anybody. If you if you're at the if you're at, at at our tryout and you're killing, you you'll probably get invited to our um, training camp. You know, you know, we'll have training camp contracts, and the guys who from training camp make the team, then they get the regular contract. So we're gonna have both one uh, training camp contract and a obviously like a a, a year, not a year, but a uh, season contract. Yeah, and and uh, one of the things we noticed, we took away from the press conference is your confidence, and you even talked about that a little bit today. So. You know, you you did promise a uh, a championship in your yeah. first season during the press conference. So, are you still holding up to that? I, I listen. You'll never get me to back off of that one. <laughs> That's how I coach. Like I listen. We played in you know when I was all the teams that I played in played on, um, uh, coached. I you know I won championships in high school, in prep school, and then public school, and then two and two MAC championships and the NCAA tournament and two tournament NCAA tournaments. So that's all I know. That's all I know. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a winner and I've coached winners and, you know, those kids have gone on to be, have successful college careers and score 1500 to 2000 points in college at D one schools and playing the NCAA tournament. So, you know, it, it all happens for a reason. And, you know, they, they didn't get worse. They got better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So uh, we got two final questions. We're kind of circling back here um, on a Fairfield basketball question. Uh, so we were just wondering if you kind of keep up. I know you told us you do keep up with Fairfield basketball and, you're, you know, you're around here um, on campus sometimes. So what's your outlook on their future maybe this year or over the next few years? Um, that they, they look good, man. They got they got some guys that can put it in the hole for next year. You know, Taj looks great. I, I mm-hmm. was at a workout they had the other maybe like a couple of weeks ago, and I have my little eight year old up there working out with them. But <laughs> um, Taj looks great, man. Taj looks great. Jesus looks great. Um, I know their leading scorer from last year. He wasn't there, but um, I've seen him play. So they got they got. I mean, those three guys, those three guards, I mean, I don't know how many people are better, how many schools in the MAC have three guys that are, you know, can score the ball like that. So they should be better than they were last year. And, you know, I want to say, would they have a losing record going into the yeah. tournament? Yeah, they were 1-2 and and, under. They were 10-17, and 17, I think, oh, on the season. Oh, yeah. uh, conference-wise, I think they might have been more 2 under. So this year, let's say I would say that'll flip back, flip around. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll definitely take that. I'd say that'll flip around, and you know, it's like a, it's always Iona, though, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're really good this yeah. year. You gotta get past Iona. They're, They're gonna be really good. Yeah, you gotta get past Iona, and you know they didn't get worse. They got better. No, they definitely got better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so you know, coach, you know, coach Patino does a great job, and. He uh, he's one he's another guy that recruited me when he got the Providence job. He came to my practices and games and stuff and talked to me on the phone. But he didn't he didn't offer me 
Yeah, offered Carlton Screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to watching Fairfield. I want to. I'm looking forward to that arena opening. Uh, yeah, we cannot wait. We're watching. We're looking. We actually can see them. The construction for it through the window. yeah I, I saw it the <laughs> other day it just didn't look like you know it, obviously they they did a lot but it's still you it's know, still in the early stages not, yeah. yeah still in the early stages but I, that's what I'm I'm excited to see that because I wish I would have had that uh, <laughs> that should be ready by next year I next think, next so. fall hopefully next season but, yeah. so now now you you you're your campus is really gonna look like Times Square yeah, yeah. it's killing <laughs> it's the future yeah. All right, so our last question, this is a question we ask all the guests we have on. Basically, is there any, uh, you know, story, maybe like a funny story or just a, a crazy story that you have from either your time at Fairfield or your time in the pros, your time coaching, just like something that was super just memorable or out there for you? Um, a story. A story. Huh. Do I even have one? I don't think so. If I do have, yeah, I got some stories, but I can't say those. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. usually the answer for a lot of the, our guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't, story, I can't divulge those those <laughs> other stories. Well, we got some good ones, but I can't tell them. <laughs> we'll have to save that's it for the next time. Next time we see you. Nah, that's, yeah. the, that's the code, yeah. <laughs> that's the code. Yeah, they'll be off the record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to say to people listening about the Cobras or about anything uh, else that you have to say? Um, well, we plan on, I mean, uh, we plan on uh, having our home our home court be the new arena in 2023. That's what I could say. So, And our season starts the first week of March, so. School school for you guys is over in like mid May, so yeah. we'll have two months. The season's only three months, but when twenty 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 when twenty twenty three gets here, I, you know I expect that gyms. I mean, I expect that. I know it's like thirty five hundred or thirty seven hundred seats, but it'd be nice to have three thousand people in that that arena at a Cobras game. Yeah. And, and we're gonna work our butts off to make that happen. Make some flashy plays. Get the get the crowd pumped. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I have to. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna take some kids, uh, uh, a kid or two off Fairfield's team. <laughs> that would be fun to see. That would be fun yeah, to see. Listen, no, I'm sure the fans would come for that. Yeah. Too. Some homecomings. I yeah. mean, it's just a walk across campus. So yeah. if we're yeah. on a Saturday night, same. Here we go. Saturday night. Not season's over. I mean, the first week of March, you're getting ready to play in the Mac tournament. Yeah. So yeah. you know, you know, what what what's gonna happen around March twentieth if they don't make the NCAA tournament, so what else are you gonna do on a Saturday or Sunday night? You mm-hmm. could just walk across campus and get plastered and act <laughs> crazy. They got the bar <laughs> they in the, the bar in the, they have a bar in the uh in the new arena, in the new yeah. arena too. And and listen, I'm not promoting <laughs> drinking but listen, we know what goes on. <laughs> I'm not a drinker and I didn't do it but listen for that atmosphere um you don't have to drink to act crazy but it helps um, <laughs> just that that whole atmosphere with kids you know college kids and acting rowdy can't beat it yeah all right well that'll do it coach thank you so much for joining us that thank was a, you. a lot of funny a lot of great stories so uh we take we appreciate you taking the time and uh, we look forward to following the Cobras along um, up until their first season starts. So, thank All right. you. All right. Go Stags. Yes. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. All right. Um, so, there you have it. There was the interview. Um, a lot of funny stories. Uh, so, what do you think, Jack? Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. <laughs> so, uh that's going to do it for us. Um, as far as Coach Bradford, if you want to follow his journey with the Cobras, you can follow the Cobras on Twitter at CT underscore Cobras. You can follow them at Instagram at Connecticut Cobras underscore. Um, we always tweet about them and, uh, you know, follow them along as well. So you could just follow us at Red Sea Radio to hear more. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, anyone who's new here that might be listening from the Cobra side of things, uh, we're on every Wednesday. We talk about Fairfield basketball, Fairfield sports. Season's getting very close. 
Very, very yeah, close. Dangerously close. About what, three weeks away? So November eighth, I think. November eighth, uh, or seventh. So follow along with us. Uh we won't be on next week. Next week is my twenty first birthday, oh, yes. next Wednesday. So unless we film an episode on a uh different day next week, we probably won't be on next week. But um thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure as always. And as Coach Bradford, Coach Bradford did our outro yeah, he for did. us. He, 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 he called it. <laughs> he did our outro for us. We'll do it anyway. As we do every week, we'll say, go Stags. <laughs>